Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. So you might be asking yourself, why a man series? Well, it's because the statistics are real. 40% of kids uh, will go to bed in this country without a dad, and we believe that that's a problem. 41% of births right now are, are, are to unmarried women. That might be your current situation. And I, I don't want you to feel any shame in that here in this church by no stretch, but we want you to know we recognize how tough it is. I mean, I, my wife and I, we're, we're, we're trying to raise four kids right now as the best team we know how to be, and it's exhausting exhausting i can't imagine what it looks like maybe for some of you moms that are out there doing it by yourself and so we think about you all the time 70 percent of teens and 20s they abandon the church and don't come back unless their wives drag them there's a there's a there's a there's a shortage of biblical manhood and i believe that we have a problem i've told you this in the series if a child gets involved in church there's a three and a half percent increase that the family will go to church. If the wife gets excited about church, there's a 17% increase that the family will go to church. But if the dad, and guys, I need you to hear the power that you have. If you get excited and you're leading away, there's a 93% increase in the chance that your family will go to church. That's amazing, dads. You got great power. Great power available to you. So, dads, if we can get you excited about this thing and helping you step out in the right way, men, if we can call you up into all that God has for you, it can change the city. It can change the state of the local church. It can change everything forever. And guys, you've got the power. And, and our, our, our verse for the series has been out of 1 Corinthians. And it was Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And I love the way he says it. Um, if you're taking notes, I, I would encourage you to write it down. But if you have our app, you can actually follow along. The message notes are in there. And all every blank, every slide that you see come up on the screen is already pre-filled in in the app. And so you don't have to write down the stuff that's already been determined, but that little extra stuff that I just kind of like just kind of pops in my brain and then we just it just comes out, then you've got room in there you can take notes and save it uh, every week. So I want to encourage you to do that. Be a great note taker. He says this. He says, "Be watchful, stand firm in the faith." And I like the way he says it. Act like men and be strong. So guys, you're going to step up. The things that the local church was facing at that time were way beyond any trial or tribulation the church might have to go through today. And he's telling the guys, this is not going to work, guys, if you don't step up and act like men. Well, I think it's true that if we look in our country today, do you know that every single month in our country, more churches close than start? Did you know that that's a trend that's been happening for the last 25 years? Do you know that recent polls by the Barna Group say that we are one generation away from no longer being a Christian nation? That our parents' parents, 65% believe the Bible was the Word of God? The generation that's being raised right now, born after 9-11, only 4% can articulate that the Bible is the Word of God. Men, we have to step up, and we have a great opportunity. Man, it's Father's Day, 
And today may have like mixed bag of emotions for you. I mean, some of you, I get, I'll be, if I can be transparent with you, like I, I go through different emotions on different days. I mean, some days I wake up, I literally, I wake up and I literally think, um, I am literally, I'm just literally killing it. Like I should write a book um, because I'm just killing it. And then like the other day, I thought I was killing it. I planned this date night for my wife for our anniversary, and I was just all like, "Man, I'm gonna get so I'm gonna get up early and I'm gonna get some stuff squared away and finish my sermon notes." And I heard my youngest crying, and I thought I'm gonna go get her because she shares a room with her sisters. And I thought I'm gonna go get her real quick so she doesn't wake up the other girls. And I went from in a matter of seconds thinking I am literally just I my, I might be the greatest dad that's ever lived to, um, I don't know if I want to be a dad today. Um, I opened up the door and Annabelle had had, I mean Rosie had had a, a messy diaper, but then proceeded to take that diaper off. PTSD is real. It's real. And I had to make a choice right then. I can shut the door, <laughs> go back to bed, and pretend that I never saw a thing. And the thought crossed my mind. Or I can step up and deal with this before mama wakes up. And um, Kim, I I'm so sorry I went back to bed. <laughs> There are some days I think we're killing it, and there are moments where I feel like we're falling apart. And Guys, there are voices that are ringing in your head sometimes, and ladies too, that sometimes you're your own worst enemy. You're convinced because you've been talked to so long and had words spoken over you for so many years that you've come to believe the stories that somebody has spoken over you about who you would be or what you would ever accomplish. When I was just getting started in the local church, I had started a bunch of campuses for a very large church. I found out I was very good at gathering a team and raising resource and casting vision and getting people excited. When I began to dream in my heart that I might have a church in me, to go plant, something that we could lead ourselves. Uh, I went from uh, being the kind of the, the bright, shining up-and-comer in this organization to, almost, to, in that moment, the pastor looked at me and he said, you are not a good communicator, you are not a good leader, and I have serious doubts that you'll ever do anything successful in ministry. And I walked out of that place and I believed every word he spoke over my life. I believed I was too headstrong. I believed that I wasn't a great communicator. I believed that I couldn't lead other people. I believed that I was too young. I believed that I had too many things stacked against me. I didn't have the right pedigree. I didn't have the right education. I didn't have all the things that I needed. And he was right. And I shouldn't do it. And every single day of that process, I woke up with a spirit of fear. Fast forward the tape. We did plant that church. We saw almost 3,000 people give their lives to Christ in the first two years of that church. 
And God ended up leading us into an opportunity to lead church planting for a group called the Ark all over the United States. We did it for a couple of years and then I went to my pastor. And I said, Pastor, I think I have one more church in me. Now, church, please rest assured if you're ever wondering, like, is he going to plant this church and then move on? No, we dying up in here. Okay? <laughs> Old, grumpy. Hey, guys, I cannot wait to wear socks with sandals with some of you. Like, I'm in it. I'm in this with you till the end, in Jesus' name. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to my pastor. And I said, Pastor, I think I have one more in me. And without hesitating, he said, you might be one of the best communicators I've ever heard. You might be one of the best young leaders I've ever been around. If anybody could start a church in the most never church community in the United States, there is nobody that I would send down there but you. I am 100% sure you will change the landscape of South Florida. I, in, in my first church plant, I woke up every day with a spirit of fear because of the shortcomings and the things that had been spoken over me. And when I came down here, I woke up every single day with a spirit of confidence and excitement for what God could do. And it was simply because somebody had changed the words that were spoken over me. And I need you to know today, I need you to know today that your weaknesses do not have to define you. And that God can use even what you perceive to be a shortcoming to change the world. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. It would be this truth. Every virtue, every strength, right, carries with it the seed of its own destruction. L let me put it to you in another way. An unguarded strength becomes a double weakness. Let me show you an example in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 14, we see this story. You might have heard it before. It says, shortly before dawn Jesus went out to them walking on the lake and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake they were terrified and they said it's a ghost and they cried out in fear I mean in the middle of the night fishermen they've never seen anything like this in their life but Jesus immediately said to them take courage it's I don't be afraid and then I love this then Peter the one guy in the whole group that was willing to speak up said Lord if it's you tell me to come to you and I will come and he, he said come and then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Uh, remarkable boldness. Remarkable boldness. I don't, I don't know. I, I would love to tell you that I would have the faith, like, well, Jesus, then, I, then if you're walking on water and then you said that I can do what you can do, just, come on, let's tell me, like, I, I, well, let's hang out. And then I would go walk on the water. I'd love to tell you that. More than likely, I would be hiding under the other ten guys I'm like, just tell the ghost to go away. Tell the ghost to go away. Peter didn't do it. He stood up with boldness. But I told you, every virtue carries with it the seed of its own destruction. In John 18.10, he's coming to the end of Jesus' life. He's coming to be in prison to then be beaten and crucified. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. Like, he's got this incredible boldness, but how many of you know, an unguarded strength now is a double weakness. The, the thing that could make you really great, men, could actually be the thing that undoes you, that will actually destroy you 
if you don't get some great people around you to help call up the character as you continue to grow in your influence. And so right then, the same boldness that got him out of the boat was also the boldness that didn't hesitate. When all the other men were standing there with their hands in their pockets like, he immediately grabs a sword and cuts the ear off. And let me tell you something. If you've never thought about it before, he wasn't aiming for the ear. He was trying to kill that man. Nobody, nobody's ever thought, hmm, sword, I'll go for the ear. <laughs> so maybe you're a great businessman <coughs> who always closes the deal. Unguarded, that strength, now promises get broken, corners get cut, and we close the deal without integrity. Maybe you've always been an incredibly hard worker. And people have said that about you even since you were little. Man, what a hard worker, what a hard worker. Unguarded, uh, you become a workaholic. You neglect your family. Uh, you neglect your children. And you get promoted in the world while losing the one thing that gives you the credibility to do any of it anyway. Maybe you're great at details. You never miss a thing. But unguarded now, that strength has become a double weakness because you suffer from what we call the paralysis of analysis. You're stuck every day in the details, in the details, in the details. Maybe you're a perfectionist. You want everything right. That's a great strength, guys. Just a desire for excellence and a desire, a desire to do everything great. Unguarded. You demand things from people that they could never provide for you. Maybe you're super competitive. I happen to be competitive. I'm actually more competitive than you are. <laughs> it adds to your drive, but unguarded, now you've got your hat turned around and you're in somebody's face at a t-ball game because they missed the call. Like you've overcorrected. Your competition has now become toxic. Maybe you're a dreamer. What a, great, what a great thing. But unguarded, everyone in your life is always worried that now you're going to be a great starter and never finish. And we're going to get all this energy towards a thing. And then once it really starts to become something, you leave it. If I can be honest with you, I am competitive. I can be a workaholic. Um, I never get bogged down in the details. I can be a pretty decent businessman. But I am a dreamer. I'm a world-class starter. And I know that there are days when my wife wakes up in our ninth home that we've had in nine years of marriage, and I wonder if she goes in her head, what's the next dream? The unguarded strength can be my greatest weakness. In Matthew 16, I want to, we look at another story. And from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. At the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter, here we are again, 
took him aside. Now, I need you to imagine this. Took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. That's the son of God. And Peter thinks he's got a good enough idea about stuff. He's like, hey, let me talk to you for a minute. And, and, and Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And I, this is the point. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. At that point, all Peter could think about, his, his weakness in this season, was he was zeroed in focused on this one thing. But Jesus said, your weakness right now, what could be a strength is going to be your double weakness because you don't even have in your mind the things of God. That conversation stuck with Peter. And years after the crucifixion, and years after the resurrection, he sat down to write this letter. And in the third chapter, he wrote this down. Always be prepared to give an account to everyone who asks you for the hope that you have. Another way of saying it, he said, listen guys, don't make the mistake I made and just have your mind on earthly things. See, an unguarded strength over time, if you don't check it, will be a double weakness. So number one, I need you to understand a couple of thoughts. I'm going to give you four thoughts and then how we're going to fix them. Okay? Real simple. Number one, I need you to understand, let's shift this reality in your mind. God can transform your greatest weakness into your greatest strength. God can take your greatest weakness and transform that thing into your greatest strength. When I was a kid, I talked a little often. So much so, I was constantly getting in trouble in school. I mean, constantly. They were always, talks too much in class, talks too much in class, talks too much in class, talks too much in class. And while I'm not putting aside that you should honor and respect authority, I'm not putting aside that you should learn how to be quiet and listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak. I, I understand that. God gave you two ears and a mouth. But they didn't understand that they were dealing with an evangelist. They kept trying to remove from me the thing that God had built into me. They wrote, I remember writing, uh, having, it was written inside of my trapper keeper. Anybody remember trapper keepers? Come on, somebody. You know I had that NKOTB trapper keeper. Millennials, that's new kids on the block. Google it. It's awesome. They're still real cool. Now they're all dads. And inside my trapper keeper, it said this, Lord, fill my mouth with worthwhile stuff and nudge me when I've said enough. Everybody was trying to get me to be quiet. I wish somebody would have just said, hey, wait to talk until you have something worth saying. But God can take what looks like a weakness. Knowing your weakness, number two, helps protect your strength. Knowing your weakness is actually one of the most healthy things that you can do. Okay, so let's try an exercise. I want you to turn to your neighbor, turn, tell them their single greatest weakness. Ready, go. You're like, <laughs> you know, especially if you came with your spouse, you're like, mm -mm, mm -mm. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you, but um, I'm not trying to get into like group counseling later on this afternoon. Um, but let me ask you this question. What would bring you more anxiety? Turning to your neighbor to tell them their weakness or, turn, or your neighbor turning 
to you to tell you yours? What would be harder? I think for almost all of us, it would be the idea of somebody looking at me and peering past whatever facade that I think I've created and telling me the thing that I need to grow in. Listen, guys, let me talk to you. Ladies, listen to me. Um, spoiler alert. If people have been in relationship with you for longer than 35 seconds, they already know your weakness. I love when I'm doing marriage counseling. And inevitably, she looks at me or he looks at me and goes, what? I'm not perfect. And I'm like, I am shocked that at this point in the relationship, you still felt it necessary to tell any of us that. <laughs> Buddy, I know you're not perfect because we've met. <laughs> so if it helps you out in any way, you have not fooled someone into believing that you don't have shortcomings. The problem is you've just fooled yourself into the idea that you fooled them into thinking you have no shortcomings. They see all of it. We did an exercise with my staff years ago. We said, everybody around the table, if you've got a team, I'm telling you, it could be a great team building exercise or you might end up firing a bunch of people, but I, I, I put them around the table and I gave them two sheets of paper. I numbered every seat. There were eight people around the table and I said, for number one, that's me. Number two is the person next to me and on. I want you to write their single greatest strength on that piece of paper. No, nobody talking to each other. Write their single greatest strength. And then next to it, I want you to write their single greatest weakness. Be completely honest. And even if it's about me, get, like, do not pull any punches. Write down the honest to goodness truth. They nervously pinned for a few minutes. And then I collected all of them. And to every single person, down to a man and lady, they named... Every single person, every person named the exact same strength about me. And every single person listed the same weakness. The next person, everybody listed the exact same strength and the exact same weakness. We did it all the way around and to every single person it came out the exact same way. And I looked that at them and said, you have not tricked anybody into believing that you don't have problems. So now if we can talk about it without everybody getting offended, let's start going to work on the things that are keeping you from God's best in your life. And that includes me. Number three, what we perceive to be weakness in others could be an indicator of their potential in Christ. And so ladies, let's get off, let's get off his back a little bit. You're like, well, well, you know... Well, he just only likes to go hang out with men. Well, it's because he needs to start a men's small group. Well, he talks too much. Maybe he's an evangelist. He never talks. He just listens while I talk. Maybe he's a counselor. When you turn it over to God, what looks like a weakness, that could be the thing that Jesus wants to use to bring other people breakthrough. <laughs> I wrote this down, and it's, I, I, it's worth writing down. In God's economy, your weakness given fully to Him is better than your strength used only for you. In God's economy, your weakness given over to Him is better than your strength used only for you. And I'll prove it to you. In 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote, 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, look, at, look, at, look, look, is made perfect not in your good stuff, but in your shortcomings, in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly, look at it, about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. Look, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. The area that you think is your weakness could be the thing that God wants to use to bring breakthrough. So what do we need to do? Men, we need to evaluate honestly. You've got to evaluate yourself honestly. Aristotle said it in this way. The unevaluated life is not worth living. Like, you've got to be willing to ask yourself, and so I would put it to you in this way, guys, if you want breakthrough, ladies, if you want breakthrough, you're going to have to start with this. You've got to ask yourself the hard questions. You've got to, and, and, but the Bible says here in Proverbs 16 that nobody's better at lying to you than you. All the ways of a man, look, are clean in his own sight. That's why you feel justified in getting mad at other people. Because you judge yourself on your intentions and you judge everybody else on their actions. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight. But the Lord weighs the motives. Or another translation says the Lord weighs your heart. He's looking at your heart. So ask yourself the hard questions. Like, are, are you doing as good as you actually think you are? Where are the areas that if you don't fix it, could be the shortcomings in your life, could be the thing that's holding you back from all that God has for you? This series, men, if I can just be honest with you, has forced me to ask tough questions. You know the, the, the horrible thing about being a pastor? There's a million good things. You know the worst part? God actually expects me to live this stuff out. Yeah, it's a whole thing. I teach on patience, and he gives me a bunch of reasons to be patient. I teach on humility, and that week, he gives me a bunch of, he, he gives me a bunch of opportunities to be humble. You know the difference in humiliation and humility? This is a side note. This is free. This is not in the notes. Humility is when you make the decision. Humiliation is when... God has to. What's the thing that you have just refused for a long time to give to him? It's your temper, right? Guys, we can justify it all day long because, I mean, dadgummit, I work hard for this family. Or man, this is my business. If you don't do it this way, We're beginning to build children and companies that when they hear our voice, they flinch. God, my unguarded strength would be my double weakness. My intensity and desire to reach the lost at any cost is not a justification for steamrolling the people that are bleeding on this field right next to me. 
come on, Jesus, help me. I've had to be honest about my, how am I doing? Singularly focused. I think anybody that knows me would know. When I lock in on something, you are not getting me off of that path. Good luck. But then I can become a freight train. Are you willing to ask yourself the hard questions, men? Ladies, ask yourself the hard questions. Would you be bold enough and brave enough to do this? Ask the people that love you to tell you the truth. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says it in this way. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Who have you asked lately how you're actually doing? I think we're scared to death to have that kind of a conversation because we're afraid that people might now know all the areas where we have shortcomings. Guys, your wife already knows. It's on her blog. <laughs> she already knows. She didn't expect you to be perfect. She just wants you to be a work in progress. Keep moving forward. I wonder what it would look like for you to go home and for you to look at your spouse, for you to look at your kids, for you to look at your best friends, for you to ask you the, the, the members of your small group. You said, how am I actually doing? And then brace for impact. Because if they love you, they'll tell you the truth. I have some friends in my life that I see nothing but greatness. But there's some stuff we got to work through so that they can be all that God made them to be. There's two kinds of people. I have people come sit down in my office all the time and say, Josh, I want to help you change the world. I mean, I think I could be a campus pastor. I think I could go plant a church. I think I could go do all these things. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about this and this and this. And there's always two reactions. There's the people that lean in, and we form a covenant that nothing can break. And there's people that I never see or hear from ever again. Because I think they were under the premise that they had hidden from me all of this time. The areas where they had shortcomings. I wonder what it would look like for you to look at the people in your life that deeply love you and just say, how am I doing? And then thirdly, would you be willing to ask God to show you your blind spots and potential? My son, singularly focused. When he locks in on something, a, a freight train couldn't knock him off the path. It's frustrating to me sometimes as a dad. But I see who he can be. And my wife and I say, if we can channel his powers for good instead of evil. He's a world changer. 
my daughter, Lily, who was up here a little while ago, speaking in full sentences at 18 months. She couldn't walk, but she could speak in full sentences. We spent a lot of time telling her to be quiet. We'd go on road trips, and I'd buy a box of suckers. I'm not making this up. Just so she'd stop talking for a minute. And one day we realized, no, one of these days God's going to use her. She's got something to say. My Annabelle. Little boys, when they're headstrong, they call them leaders. And when little girls do it, they call them bossy. And we tell my little girl, hey, you be bossy because you're going to run all kinds of stuff one day. She runs the two big ones already. She's already working on her management skills. Because we know, given to God, she's a world changer. My Rosie, at 18 months, I don't know much about what she's going to be like. But don't tell the other ones, and we'll edit this out of the video. She's my favorite. And I wonder what it would look like. Psalm 139 says, he's speaking to God. See if there's any hurtful way in me, God, and lead me in the way of everlasting life. God, is there my, like, show me my shortcomings and help me be who you made me to be. And I think you're going to be surprised at how God responds to you. I think sometimes you make mistakes and you fall into sin or you make decisions that you're not proud of and then you don't bring it to God because I think you have convinced yourself that if you don't tell him, he will know. He sees it. He's just asking you to come to him. And be honest about who you are and your shortcomings. And I think he'll blow you away with his response. For a long time, guys, there have been words spoken over you about the things you wouldn't do, the man you wouldn't become. And I'm here to speak new words of life over you. You're a great husband. You're a great father. Your kids could have gotten any dad in the world, and they got you. Own that with pride. And kids, give them some daggone slack, because I got news for you. Your day's coming. (laughs) And it's hard. But I pray that you would walk out of here knowing that what looks like a weakness to the world could be the thing that God wants to use in and through you. And for some of you, the place of your greatest hurt, the worst decision you ever made, could be the thing that God uses in your life to help other people find breakthrough in theirs. The devil wants you to keep it a secret because he wants you to die without the power of changing somebody else's life with it. My dad, who's sitting here on the front row, unfortunately, we went many, many years where we didn't get to see each other. My parents split up when I was a kid, and the story's too long to tell. But now, as a grown man, I I was reunited. But I'll be honest with you, I was the absolute worst version of myself that I've ever been. I had nothing. 
I'd accomplished nothing. I looked at him, I'll never forget. He was sitting on the couch, I was sitting in a chair in this apartment that I couldn't pay for. And I said, Dad, I, I got no job. I got no education. I got no money. I've got no friends. I am the poster child for unrealized expectations. I'll never forget. He just stretched his arms out and had tears on his face. He said, yeah, but you're mine. And the words changed me. I began to believe that I actually had permission to dream things. I actually began to believe that I had permission to to hit the reset button and start over and be greater than anybody ever thought. I, I began to believe that I actually had the right to step into who God made me to be. Man, I don't know if your dad will ever have the opportunity to look at you and say those things to you like mine did, so let me return the favor. You may not be as far as you thought you were going to be at this point in your life. You may make mistakes as a dad and as a husband and you feel like every day, am I just blowing it everywhere? You may feel like, I thought I'd have more money or more stuff or be a little more successful. I thought I'd have a better job or making a bigger impact in my church or in the world. God, I thought I'd be doing more at this point in my life. You might feel like I did, the poster child of unrealized expectations. And I need you to hear your heavenly father say today, yeah, I know, but you're mine. And he's looking at you today, and he is proud of you. His love cannot be swayed by how many good things you do, or how much you give, or how nice you are to somebody else. He's proud of you because of you. And he looks down at you. And man, I need you to hear him say today, well done, guys. Well done. You haven't quit. It had been easy to phone it in a long time ago. But keep on digging. Because you were made to do something great. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.